way. Hey. <laughs> I don't know. Yo. Hello. What's up, Rodney? Hi. Keith. I want to talk to you today about Palo Santo Wood. You ever heard of it? <laughs> mm, nope. You can't say that I have. You've seen it before when we were interviewing Ethan Sandler oh, and Catherine talked. Hahn. Mm-hmm. You've actually it's, talked about this one before. Smells a little bit like incense. Mm-hmm. Have I? Mm-hmm. Did I forget to take it off my list? You did. All right. Well, we're going to yeah. talk about it anyway because this is talking about it in a new way. <laughs> Palo Santo Wood does a spirit good. <laughs> All right, we're we're look we're in season four we're 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 getting it in. It's all about American ideals, shared American ideals, a little bit of politics, but American ideals and where America is today. Yeah, Lady Liberty, man, <laughs> I tell you. Um, and here's the thing: although today, more than ever, we sometimes forget compassion is such a big part of all of our conversations and how we approach one another and that's why we're here we want to be your guides we want to anchor you in that place for compassionate conversation getting to know these amazing people it's really the deadpan delivery that just nailed that for me if i'm honest here uh so look today we're here with the fellas from social nuisance that we we've been on their podcast which it may or may not like check it out we had fun with them and we had fun with them again. We we, we actually kind of want just a regular segment with them, uh, with Motion and Imagine, two just eclectic minds, two very bright minds. They actually kind of mirror us. Uh, one is super, you know, concise and to the point, and one is like me, all over the place. We'll let you determine who's who. But in this conversation, uh, this is this is pretty close after. Uh, George Floyd uh, was murdered by the police in in Minnesota, Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and um, I personally was very angry. Uh, you you'll probably get that sense from the conversation, but we get into race and we get into what this country is about. We talk about the KKK. Should you be allowed to be a KKK member? What does that mean? Um, we get into some heavy conversation, and yet it is fun and light. And I don't I don't know if fun's the right word. Maybe. Light. A lot of laughs in this conversation. It's a lot of laughs in this conversation. I'm super excited to bring it to you. And, you know, but before we get into it, as always, we got to remind you to check us out at moreincommonpod.com. That's P O D, D is in David.com. And you there, you can check us, you find all our socials, our past blogs, our merchandise, everything that, that we offer. And on this device that you're listening to this episode, you know, go give us a like, you know, go promote us a little bit because we have this cause of anchoring humanity and compassionate conversation. And we just want to get more ears into that into that space. If you like what we're doing, um, certainly leave us a comment. And hey, if you're feeling up to it. Share, share, share. Ears and the show. <laughs> so before we get into it, I just want to talk about audible.com because I love it. I do audiobooks all the time when I'm driving around LA. It's how I love to, it's, it's my preferred way to get books in, frankly. 
Specifically, I want to talk to you about Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. It's coming to Audible. Now, I've put off reading this graphic novel and the series of novels because, well, I just got a lot going on. But I'm going to get it. It's in my pre-order list right now. Uh, you should think about it. If you've never used Audible, you get a free book. And you can go to our website and click the link and use that to get your free book. We do get a little on the back end, and we appreciate you for the support. So, Neil Gaiman, I would also say Nor Norse Mythology, really good book. The Audible book is actually read by Neil himself. I really appreciate how he puts his personality into the writing. A little bit funny, uh, some new stories or, or twists, new twists on stories uh, from the Norse world that my fantasy nerd self likes. I guess with the madness of the world, I've, I've always had this stance that nothing surprises me anymore. So like even facts are such limbo. And then pretend we all agree, we're all gonna have a different perspective and motivation of what we're gonna do with those facts anyways. So I'm kind of all about just hearing it all out. Welcome back everybody to More In Common Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Rodney. Keith is here as well and today we are with imagine and motion from social nuisance podcast what's up gentlemen yo, 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 yo. we were on their show back in december 2019 and we're excited to have them on today uh, they met in 2011 community college and quickly hit it off as like-minded passionate artists and intellectuals that's key motion was a dedicated poet and imagine a rapper both are inspired by the world around them and look to contribute their perspectives to any and every conversation. Dialogue and discussion are at the root of any development, evolution, and progressive movement. Imagine Emotion created a podcast, not all that unlike ours, hope in, in hopes of providing a sensible, humorous, and in-your-face conversation on the things that matter in the world, people, and social environments we find ourselves in. The world changes by way of nuisances. Willing to take the first step in rocking the boat, stirring the pot, and ruffling some feathers. What's up, gentlemen? Yeah. Up? Hit him with that kick in the face, Motion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we do. That's you know, what my we wife do. couldn't Love write it. a better bio. That was incredible, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. It, was, hey, uh, it felt good to read. Some, and it's some linguist skills. I can say well, it's hey, very listen, accurate. Fellas, here's the thing. Got a lot of questions to ask. A lot of places about, to go. I'm a big fan of onomatopoeias. Are you? Look up. That's good. Boom. Boop, boop. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. <laughs> um, On a so wouldn't want to be it. This is, our, this is our season four. And our season four going into a, a hot election season is all about shared American ideals. Now, I am extremely excited and eager to get your perspectives on what you think those ideals are for us to strive for and do you think it is possible to have shared ideals in this age of division i would start by absolutely think, thinking it's possible in fact i think our ideals might be more in line than ever it's the either the utilization or kind of the perspective i feel like we're we're getting especially with this uh george floyd thing i think we have a pretty good universal truth right now to go on because i think even though the country seems divided along that that blue line i don't think it's as divided as people feel like it is you know for eight minutes we watched that 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 gentleman suffer and that appealed to all our hearts 
not not anyone's party line. And I think we have a good opportunity to kind of utilize that. And not only that, but but to look at our options and realize that neither one really reflects many of us, definitely not the majority of us. You know, there was a there was a moment there where I feel like this this election's gonna be it's like a race to second place. I don't know if these gentlemen think they're playing golf and they want the lowest score wins or what, <laughs> but for for once by these gentlemen, I, you mean uh Biden current President and, Trump and Yeah, and I Biden. I call Joe Biden. I I ju- 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 just forgot my name, Joe. And then um <laughs> Donald Trump is the angry mango. But for <laughs> once, the angry mango was falling behind. And then just 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 forgot my name, Joe says, hey, you know, we should start shooting them in the legs. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. motherfucker, we're tired of seeing cops shoot people. Mm-hmm. And we live in this weird environment where we're being... Wait, wait, Biden actually said that? Yeah. Yeah. He said we need to train them to he, not shoot yeah. at the chest. Maybe if he just shoot Wait, take a moment that he could have won the election on and just yes. and make us absolutely. all say, what the fuck? Yeah. 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 Joe... And, and this is what's... <laughs> Joe, Joe, what's my name, Joe Biden? <laughs> I mean, he's he's known for gaffes, right? I mean, that's yeah, this is, he is what, a walking gaff. That is for so, sure. You know, there's, so there's two thoughts I've been spending a lot of time on. One is, and this is one that I would love for you guys to help promote on your podcast, is why do we live in a in a environment now where we're attacking voters because we don't like who they're voting for instead of the system that's been providing us those two ultimately horrible selections? As oh, we hunter unify. And, and say that these neither one of these instead of I don't want to ever hear anything more about Trump supporters or uh like libs I don't want to hear any of that shit anymore because we're forced into these nuts to we're forced to find one thing we identify with and then agree with nineteen other things mm-hmm. right. and that's not right you know what I mean yeah I do that's why that's why we think we you go back to shared American ideals you know what it, what does it mean to be American and for me it just comes down to one word and that's opportunity. And do the normal or the regular amount of population, do they have the opportunity to seize the American dream? And if the answer is no, then clearly we got to reevaluate. And I think everyone can agree that everybody just wants a shot. Nobody wants to be given anything. Nobody wants anything for free. We all just want a shot to prove ourselves. And are we being afforded that opportunity? Hmm. No, and you don't, yeah, you don't get much of an argument out of us. We talk about this a lot this season in particular, this this binary system that we've been pigeonholed for, been for the purposes of handed. power. Yeah, we've been handed just because people want to stay in power. Exactly. And like you said, like, I have to, I have to abide by 19 things I don't like because of the one thing that matters to me most versus, hey, I might have a candidate out there that maybe 50-50, but at the end of the day, I can I can start weighing a few more options than than two. Yeah, right? and it and we're stuck with if a you know the rise of a third candidate or a third party takes away from essentially one party and guarantees mm-hmm. the person you're least you least identify with a victory. You know this is this is crazy. I I keep saying it's a silly idea, but I I believe that the vote is a it's a literal endorsement to me. So I'm withholding my votes till I find someone worth voting for which i'm going to endorse and i i do I, go ahead i wish i would have known is it gary johnson in the last election libertarian yeah mm-hmm. yeah so if he would have received i cannot remember the percentage of the vote but that w- would have included in the debates 10 percent. yeah of yeah 10 yeah. he would have gotten 10 percent. that they would have been included in the debates this go around i 
I mean, and, when you look back at the founding fathers and everything that they say, they talk about it at yeah. length. The 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 dangers of having a two party. A two party. Yep. So yep. and it's it's just you know until I can find someone that has some some bit of reflection of me and my family, not some bit, but a, a better reflection of us. Because mm-hmm. I can find some bit of myself in both of those guys. Sure. You know, I've been known to say just shoot him in the leg. But <laughs> and, it, and it's funny that he says that because you know when he talks about it's a literal endorsement and that's why he withholds his vote i'm on the complete opposite end of that spectrum where i'm okay with placing a vote knowing that i don't 100 percent endorse a particular candidate in this case it's going to be biden um no I, I don't endorse all the things that he's about but i'm endorsing trump getting the hell out of office so when me me and motion have those conversations it's it's a matter of understanding where he's coming from, understanding where I'm coming from, and ultimately we can just have that discussion of what we're doing and why we're doing it, and hopefully that the rest of the country that listens to the show uh, could take some takeaways from that. You know what sucks? Just like the two-party system, he's got his move, I got my move, and then everybody else kind of falls in between, and it's really pick your poison, because neither one of us are happy. Yeah. He's not happy with who he's voting for, and I'm not happy that I'm missing out on an election. And, and it's a Question shitty for you, position Motion. that we've been put in to have to decide on not having a candidate versus I want this candidate. Right. Exactly. Question for Motion. Yes, sir. So on the not voting perspective, in the – so where we are, like you brought up George Floyd, and I thought you brought it up beautifully, and everybody's looking at this, and very few people are happy with it from PDs on down, like there are yeah. no, like nobody's attaching themselves to this, right? Like nobody's, um, and, and many people are taking a very deep and serious introspective look. And at the end of the day, like protesting and right. And like, that is good. And it raises awareness and consciousness. But in this society, good, bad, or indifferent, the, the mechanism for change is legislation. Yes. So how do you reconcile that with not showing up to vote? Well, what, the way I reconcile that is I definitely partake in, in local elections. I was going to ask you. Okay. That. Yeah. yeah, I'm talking about a, at a at a presidential so you don't, level. You don't you don't vote top of the ticket, whatever it is. You no. Don't. Yeah. No. How do yeah. we get more people to do that? I I mean, if you're going to show up local, well, that's why I was saying like let's let's talk about it. But it's a it is you know I I found out later someone that really takes the same stance as me is a uh, Russell Brand, and like uh, any story. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot you guys yeah. had a connection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he can express it more eloquently than me, but it is it is something that I, I realized later that it's also a stand that he takes that he professes and he catches a lot of heat on. But um, it is irresponsible. Most of the things I profess are irresponsible. But, you know. Is it irresponsible? I, I, I mean, think, I, I like, don't think it is. If, yeah, go ahead. I imagine. I, what do you think? I, I don't. I don't think it's irresponsible because he. Well, then I it, won't it, practice it anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh wait. So I'm what sure we're learning is motion is a contrarian. Guys. Knock it off. <laughs> yeah, so you've heard the term like you know you know stupid like a fox. So if if someone has a, a well thought out perspective, uh, defense of their decision or opinion, if they can argue that and really uh, articulate why they do what they do. Then it's not irresponsible at all. If anything, it's fully responsible of them knowing the power that they possess and willing to wield it with uh, uh, consciousness of that power. You know, it, the, participating as an American citizen in your act of voting 
it's not just every four years you vote for a president. Just like Motion said, it's it's all the way down to you know the fucking student body of your high school. You gotta vote in every level. You're afforded an opportunity to voice what you prefer in your community. You have to show up, and if it, yeah, it's a lot because there's a lot of uh, mechanisms mechanisms within this democracy that require you to show up. And yeah, it can be tiresome, but you got to do it. That's that's your responsibility as an American citizen. Maybe we just, four could break that down a little, like the local, like what the local elections mean. Because I, I, from conversations I've had with people on politics, and I'm not, and I look, I am not a, a politics scholar at, by any means. Not a lot of people understand the importance of the local. And, they don't, and, yeah. So can we maybe talk about some of the things that, that are, are important in the locals? And like what to look out for, maybe to to maybe judges, um, DAs, sheriffs. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of things School that board. affect directly Man. affect your neighborhood. Yeah, gerrymandering, uh, or, or I'm sorry, voting lines. <laughs> the the sheriff is a big one though because I, I mean I don't know if you guys saw it, even I I never saw the chief of police for L.A. County up until all this started to go down, and he is the uh, definition of what when you think of like. A 70s sloppy cop, like the one that hangs out at the donut shop, you know, has the old Buick. That's what this guy <laughs> is. He doesn't reflect Los Angeles at all, you know. Have you, been, have you seen any Michael of the Moore. Zoom calls that they've been doing? No, I haven't. But did you see he said that uh, George Floyd's protesters uh, and rioters were as much responsible for yes, his death for as George Floyd? No, he, he blamed like, rioters and protesters. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And I, I didn't even recognize him. I'm like, dude, I'm LA yeah. all day, every day. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> you're on national television reflecting our city now mind you you're so, behind that blue uniform but before we go down that line because i, I want to go into there. that but uh, more on the local um we named a couple of really good things uh damn it I had a, I, body president also well, it's, it's interesting <laughs> oh too, sheriff oh. oh sorry real quick I, I just remembered it yeah. on, um one thing that's important so in like many in many cities i don't actually i don't know the answer to this for la uh, mayors often appoint sheriffs. Yes. So they're the not season. voted in. So then you look at coroners, sheriffs, um, and those affect reportings on deaths. And yep. coroners are often in line. You, you got to look at the relationships between the coroner and the police uh, because that's yeah. going to affect the story. I mean, the, there was the story on Floyd changed actually. Yeah. Um, a after, times. Yeah from a coroner's reports and all of that is wildly important but then there's things i mean like, it, just on that no you i was it the guy in um was it oklahoma that that the video just came out about the cop kneeling on his back saying he can't breathe and the cop said i don't care and the coroner's report said that the cause of death was unknown really yeah the video comes out. I don't know. I, I, don't, I haven't looked into all the details of it. Um, the video has recently come out as to what had happened. And it's like, okay, so we, we now understand. And there were all kinds of details in it. But just to that point, cause of death unknown, that goes into the possibility of prosecuting. That yeah. takes away and absolves the police officer of any accountability in the, in the death of that individual. And well, even... It when you file that, yeah. when you file that down to even insurance claims for the family, uh, yeah, totally. You know, oh my god, yeah. they, they may not get you know what. Well, the they get dragged deserves. out. 
they get they get dragged out. They don't get hurt on. So back in Inglewood, two years ago, there was a couple, a black couple that was for some reason sleeping in a car on the side of the street. And cops saw it, like somebody called it in as a suspicious vehicle. Cops shot it up, killed him. That's crazy. At least one of them. I don't remember if it was both of them. At least one. So there were city, there were supposed to be town halls in Inglewood to discuss this. And they kept getting pushed. I know this because of Lloyd Key. So one of our, mm-hmm. one of my mentors and one of our mm-hmm. past guests is an activist here in LA. And um, they kept pushing the town hall. And I was planning on going to a few. And the town hall is to help the elected officials make decisions, right? Like they, they yeah. have to air what they're saying because they can't do it behind closed doors. But what was happening was they were making decisions behind closed doors in between the delays of those meetings. Yeah. But there was nobody to hold them accountable because they didn't hold the damn meetings. And and so that family, it the family of those two didn't see anything for over a year. Yeah. And, you know, especially burial costs here in Southern California is ridiculous. You know, people have to come up with that with that money on their own. And a lot of those things are affected by a coroner's report. I actually recently lost my grandma, and they had put natural that. causes. But oh, thank you. But it was a a doctor, a young doctor, tried some high risk brain surgery, uh, causing her a stroke, and she actually lost her life from that. The coroner took the natural causes, didn't even check her out. Our family paid for an independent autopsy. Part of the instrument was in her brain. He broke his instrument in her brain and killed her. You know, and that's that's all ties back. You know, it's a it's a personal antidote about how that association with coroners and how important local elections are. This is a really I, strange um, moment. I I'm, only just, this <laughs> I'm only doing this because I'm only going to do this because it's you two. You just said antidote. I think you meant anecdote, but I wouldn't do that yeah, for anybody sorry. else, <laughs> given the story. Um, uh, I like I wanna, that is. Just, yeah, that's right. I want to question the hate thing, but I first imagine you said something in your questioning up at the front. You said you are into learning and you talked about the power of questions and you yeah. said, you know, you're a racist. OK, cool. But why? Like before I before I say you suck, I want to know why you think what you think. Mm-hmm. Talk us. Like, I, that, I think that relates to this a little bit. And I want to understand like your what's what's behind that for you. Yeah, I mean, we we had a number of conversations about race. Um, one topic that we covered in our show was uh, a, a guy who uh, put this giant swastika in his front lawn. Remember that? Remember that motion yeah. where he like yeah, made concrete? <clears throat> yeah, something like that. And um, we had a discussion where I was like, "Well, that's his property. That's what he wants to do with his property. Cool. But what does that mean for the community and the neighbors? And what does that mean for them?" And the question was posed to me, like, "Well, how would you feel?" I'm like, I would wouldn't care. Because as long as what they're doing is not imposing on my way of life, then we got no problem. You can think how you want to think, feel how you want to feel. But the second it starts to impose on my ability to have a good life, then we got a problem. Very so libertarian gonna, of you. <clears throat> I, I think it's just I think it's just it's just human, but I think it's it's also if you want to go back to, to country status, you know, it's very American. Everyone can be who they want to be, but you could have, you know, your life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. But if the moment it begins to impede on someone else's life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, then we got a problem. Quick comment and Can question I, for you on that. Yeah, I have a uh, question on that. One, Germany has outlawed the swastika, and they have actively said never again. This will yeah. not happen again. D- 
does that swastika not impede your life, liberty, and as as a, as a non-Aryan, does that no. not impede? No. So I think you you guys are talking about two different things. He's talking about the swastika on the floor, and you're kind of talking about the swastika as a whole. Well, no, I'm talking about well, the person I mean, who would put a swastika up, like their life I values. Mean all, I mean, in all aspects. So if if this guy wants to live their life that way, cool. If there's a, and I said this on on the social news podcast as well, um, if if there's a racist group of people that want to start their own community by all means go for it go 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 ahead pick a spot of land somewhere in the country we give you the go ahead go ahead and do it if that's what your life is within this community cool that's fine but i have nothing but faith that that community will fail under the weight of the rest of the country that does not want to act that way you know what i mean there's more well, people in this world that will be loving, that want to communicate with each other, that want to uh, uh, have commerce with each other. But if there's a racist community out there that wants to do it, I mean, they're, and again, they're not impeding on my way of life, go ahead. I don't so care. I don't disagree with that, but I want to be less hypothetical and talk about real world where I know people are in the KKK. I know that there are white nationalists. And the, the problem is they don't tell you to your face and they may not be trying to kill you, but they do affect policies. They do well, affect things that affect right how you live and how i live and how everybody so lives that leads to a question like what is the point of imposition for you in that example um curious it goes back to to uh, motion's point of taking part in local elections if you have races who are going to be judges cops city officials so on and so forth um if they want to run for office by all means they have every right as an american to do so but we as American citizens also have to voice our opinions. And if there's more of us that disagree with that point of view, then we're going to drown them out. But if we don't participate in these elections, and if we don't participate in the civic forum, then we're going to get steamrolled because we're not doing anything. We're just trying to live and expecting everyone else not to uh, be racist or not be uh, accommodating to other perspectives. But ultimately, if you want to see change, you have to engage. You have to be willing to have those conversations, to put your vote on the line. You have to engage. Motion. Yeah. What are you? Yeah, you it's just motion. what I was going to say about, uh, you know, if you want to go create your own town, your own community, and go ahead and do that, the, the faith that, that it'll fail is I think America and China, in a different way, are proof positive that no one culture, no one faith, no one... Uh, historical background ethnicity is gonna is gonna compete in a fair market. You know what I mean? It's an amalgamation. So if you want to go ahead and take your one set of ideals, create your own community, it's not gonna work in a capitalist society. Right. And the reason I use China is because they steal, they actively steal, you know, everything from blueprints to IP, ideals. software. My exactly. So so <laughs> you know, more power to you. I almost I I don't want to say I embrace those markers. But I appreciate them when they're that blatant because one, it is, it tells me I'm, I'm going to be, if I ever have to communicate with this person, I already know there's a, there's a limited set of knowledge. And then there's an even more limited, like, willingness to accept any new knowledge in this person that I'm talking to. So, yeah, I think that swastika on the floor is, a, it's, it's harmless, but I think raising that swastika up and then kind of using it as ideals and doing different things is, is where it can begin to take power. And we're not in a society, like you were saying, where it's not like if these bigots want to go create their own bigot town, unfortunately, we, we're in a place that's 
that's ran by bigotry. And we're trying to crack that up right now. They didn't say, right. hey, these are our fundamentals. They kept that behind closed doors. And now right. we're trying to break down those fundamentals because we're here, not we didn't go there. There's right. a, yeah. an interesting reality to, to something I think, you know, Rodney and some other folks have put me on to is that like that just going back to what you were saying before motion, that breakdown generationally of, of um, hatred in this yeah. country has shifted in this past generation to subtlety and undertone. Right. And I agree. There's definitely a generational shift from what it was to what it is now to where it's going. And there is a, and this is what needs to happen in my opinion is that exposure of the undertones that we all feel yes. or are all around because it needs to be put in front of us. Like that very idea of put a swastika on your yard. Yeah. Like, even if I'm going to change your mind, it's like any form of communication. If we put all our cards out on the table, we know what to expect of each other. We can trust each other right. in that we're going to have an understanding of where each other's coming from. But if you say, oh, yeah, no, I like black people. And then you turn around and you go and root on a cop who's kneeling on the back of a yeah. black dude's head because you think, you know, he deserves that for paying for a counterfeit bill. Like that shit's fucked up. Right. Yeah. Like. And I think I think we're at a possible apartheid here where we like we can all take the opportunity to be in, in a in a crazy moment of forgiveness, which I'm not usually uh you know a purveyor of, and put all our sins on the table. And there's a there's a moment for a huge change right now. I was talking to a friend of mine and I was trying to to express into him, and uh, he's way smarter than me, the power that the black vote has this election right now. I think African-Americans across this country can swing this election either one way or the other if they just come out and say right now, hey, our vote's not guaranteed. Right. And if you Joe know, Biden what, doesn't say, shoot him in the legs? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. Hey, if, hey if vote someone for the guy that's going to shoot you in the leg. <laughs> if someone doesn't roll out... Uh, it, that's, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Plan, I'm sorry, but that in a nutshell is being black in a fucking America. Yeah. It's yeah. getting shot in the face of the goddamn leg. That's yeah. being you know, black. I saw, I saw a tweet uh, yesterday where it said oh, something sir. like, all, all cops right now are being um, subjugated to something a cop did, and they don't like that we're all unanimously blaming them for it. Like, basically okay. saying, like, they're the black guy in the car being pulled That's over right, right now, right? That's exactly They're all being happened. held accountable. Yeah. For but, the but they're not, because, like, because, you know, there's the bad apple argument is one of the worst motherfucking things on the oh, planet. Oh, I got like, arguments for that. If, if you know, uh, I don't even know the cop's name, but the dude who had the, the knee on the throat was yeah. one of four. Yeah. yeah. Those other guys, let it happen. That's a bad motherfucking apple. 75% of that problem was silence. Yeah. 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 And right. and you see it when you see the 75-year-old guy, the white guy that got pushed by the officers and went down, went limp immediately. And another officer went down to administer aid as and one should. And he got pulled off and was told to keep moving. And then taking another step further, approach. Somebody saw this and tried to run through to administer aid and got arrested. Yep. And then you can't tell me 54 officers would they they left they, or they no, left they that special forces that, unit because yeah, those yeah. two got pulled off of yeah. Got that's, that's a that's a pussy ass way to make a statement, dude. But that's also but but the statement it's making is that we stand behind this. That's okay. Yeah, that's, that's right. policing. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's oh, policing. No I have a couple theories on the, the few bad apples thing. One is 
If a good cop snitches on a bad cop, everybody's always answered the same way. What happens to a good cop's career? It's it. It's over. The blue. Okay. So I wanted okay, to make so this comment. Means, oh yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 keep no, going. You make your uh, just on that. The blue. The blue line. Um, I won't name names and I won't get specific. So my dad is good friends with an ex-chaplain of a PD somewhere, okay. and he gave very explicit details on how strong that blue line is. Hi, baby. <laughs> oh, dad life. Dad life. It's the best. Oh, I miss when they, were, the when they were like that. Yeah. Mine coming here like, pops, I need to see <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is it that you say? Um, uh, I had it written down. Uh, uh, flip the, wait, flip, what did you say? Flip the perspective? Oh, yeah. <laughs> take, take another angle. Take another angle. <laughs> yeah, take another um, angle. <laughs> sorry, I'll come back in. So the chaplain was saying that that blue line is strong and it's real. He's seen yeah. it in write-ups. He's seen it in coercions of stories. He's seen somebody trying to, he's seen it in corner reports. He's seen it in everything that affects how something is projected out externally. Yep. It is strong. And he's seen death threats. He's personally experienced. He was the chaplain. That means man of God, which almost every cop will tell you they are. Yep. He's received death threats. And, yeah, and so that line is strong, and that affects wire, behavior. So I want to go back to bigotry and racism, the swash ticket. I do not agree with you. That is not a harmless act. And I think that there are things that get you kicked out of the motherfucking boat. There are mm -hmm. things that send you to prison. You are no longer allowed to participate in this society when you throw your shit away. Now, because of our system, fucked up shit happens, and people who aren't guilty go, and people yeah. who are guilty of a lesser crime, get way more punishment than they should. Like that, that, that's separate from what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can extradite yourself from this boat by being a, a motherfucking racist, in my opinion. I think Germany has set a really strong example on this. And you hear this fucking Nuremberg defense happening right now with these motherfucking police saying, I was doing what I was, I was ordered to orders. Fuck yeah. you. That Geneva, that's no longer, that's yeah. not been acceptable for a long yeah, time, bro. Right. Yeah. You got to do what's right. And I, I, to I totally agree with you. And I want to make just one small uh, asterisk in that point, because I, I completely agree with you. If you're going to be a Nazi, you get punched in the face, period. What, what I mean by okay, it's okay for them to have that swastika displayed, it, it's definitely harmful if the community does not engage it. It becomes harmless when the community engages it and lets them know that you are surrounded uh, by tolerance, mm. acceptance, love, and what you are projecting and saying, we will meet that with an argument. And also, it, it I becomes want to know the harmful worker took the bid. The what? Say that again, Motion. I want to know the concrete worker that took the bid. I want to know who all participated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, no, like, hey, who, get them all, root them out. Who are the 75%, right? Yeah. The 75% yeah. of silence. And it was I think like, it oh, that sounds like to, a worthwhile project. I'm in. Yeah. And I think it goes back to the root of the question that led to that was getting to know why, engaging, yeah. understanding, and we may not agree, and we're all going to tell you, hey, listen, we're not all for this. We're going to let you do it, but no, you're alone. You're by yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yep. And Moshe, you, you said something that I think we can, well, I don't want to go by the apartheid moment, Nelson Mandela. Like, yeah. so I think the answer is you're 100% correct. That is the only that is that's the only solution. Like I feel what like Nelson Mandela did, he found 
a way to bring everybody That's to the right. table with he love yep. and with forgiveness and said, let's clean the slate and where you're coming from. There's only certain times in history where that's even plausible. Yep. You know, and I think we're right at that door where if all this moment, I almost wish it wasn't an election year, but that might be what's fueling all this mm. because the election's going to steal from this opportunity. You know what I mean? It's going to be almost a fake apart that like we're all, we're doing our, our civil duty, right? We're going to go place a vote for someone that's going to fix this. And of course they're not, you know, right. just like the black Panther said a long time ago, dude, we're in one restaurant with two servers they're bringing the same bowl of shit. Mm. That's all, that's all this country has been you know, with this two-party system. And that election is going to be, it's going to camouflage and mask a, a true opportunity to, to to make some insane progress right now, you know? Absolutely. Mm. Un- unless we keep on the pressure. That's, that's right. Paramount. You got to keep on the pressure. And the pressure can take different forms. And that includes having difficult conversations, engaging people that have a clearly racist or intolerant position. And then, of course, voting in local elections. Can't stress that enough. So, And I like your your... Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Keith. I was just going to say, I want to pivot because, I mean, I'm excited about this conversation, but we can't move past this opportunity to get to know, imagine, and motion a little bit better. True. Like, uh, right? You don't want to do that anyways. What? <laughs> you want me to take your shirt off? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Sometimes when I get political, someone goes, shut up and take just your shirt go off. full, motion. Let's see. <laughs> um, this... This idea of what you guys decided to, I mean, you met in community college, right? And you decided that, and I am curious, like, let, let's, why do you guys specifically call it community college versus just college or whatever? Because I can't afford $68 a unit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, Motion, when are you going to, when is your stand-up tour going to start? Like, I just uh, need this in my life. Yeah. You know, I did, I'm, I'm, uh, I need to, I need to get on stage. I, I've been on stage for poetry forever. But, uh, you know, that's like, it's guaranteed. It's on set. The audience is like generous. Um, but, yeah, so, I need to work on it. Yeah. So going back, like what, how did you all grow up that even got you to a point to have this mission of having conversations, putting things out there, putting some goodness out there that, that demonstrates, I mean, you guys like to do hot takes. You like to, you like to play devil's advocate. You like to expose all sides of arguments and it's an amazing thing. Like, Modern day philosophy. Yeah, I grew up like the opposite of what is like standard bigotry, but mm. bigotry as well. I was the only white boy in East LA in the early '80s into the '90s, and so uh, I grew up. Uh, I have a Are you white actually, dad. Like, what's your okay? Yeah, yeah. Part and a and Mexican mom, and they dropped me off at my Mexican grandma's, who she didn't speak English, I didn't speak Spanish, and so we, I like, I thought batteries were called baterias. So the so I was like 22 years old. Someone's like, those aren't batterias, bro. I'm like, no, that's when my grandma told me they're batterias. But uh, so I, I grew up having a fight every day, dude. And then uh my like father a physical took a, fight or like yeah. uh yeah. Well both physical and, and, yeah, and, and like, metaphorical. At some point you're sore and you're tired, and then you do like the Kevin Hart approach where I'm just gonna outsmart the ignoramus and try to get away. <laughs> and so because so got, you're mixed, because you're half white, half Mexican, that's for for where you for East Los East Los Angeles, mm-hmm. that you means you're white. white. Yeah, but mm-hmm. to whites you're not white. Yeah, or are you? Pat- no, I'm I'm not I'm not white to whites. Yeah. So okay. I got I got a red beard and black hair, and I'm convinced that that's where the the Irish sperm hit the Mexican egg. <laughs> and kind of spread from there. You for those know? who can't see this, he just drew he just put his finger where where his right sideburn right meets yeah. the yeah. meets the beard. That's <laughs> but um, so I I was like. 
but I was very aware of how the the white perspective worked outside of East LA. And so I'm I, I'm no no a white privilege denier. Uh, I've worked in uh, I've been self-employed my whole life, so a part of that is sales, you know. And I was very aware that when I walked by no soliciting sign outside of business, that they were going to let me solicit them. And that had I been an African-American and walked by a no soliciting sign, I would be met with, didn't you see the sign outside? So I was very aware that there was something different about me in both communities. And then I just had to learn how to, how to utilize which one worked best. Mm. And, and that came with that. And then I, the family that I grew up in was, it was understood. Higher education was understood. There was, you didn't graduate high school and that was done. So I, I only did community college, but I mean, I did that for a long time. I yeah, someone who knows yeah. all about doing college for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think I'm technically still enrolled at that school. I'm not sure. <laughs> they still send me parking passes. Yeah. I haven't yeah. paid for one ever. <laughs> uh, I had I'm, a, I'm the black good, Van Wilder. I had a pretty yeah. good background. I mean, I, I grew up uh, lower middle class, San Gabriel Valley, Southern California, my whole life. Um, didn't really have a lot of struggles. Uh, my parents did; they worked tooth and nail to give me and my my siblings everything. So I grew up pretty spoiled, you know. If I want to be honest about it, I was good. I was cool. I mean, think what really set me apart was just my way of thinking and the way I perceived the world. I saw the world just differently, and I always had questions and I was curious and I always had uh, a very vivid imagination that could be applicable to the real world. And if someone said it wasn't, I would just be like, "Well, why not?" You know. Mm-hmm. And that that carried me all the way through, you know, high school, early college years of just feeling that way. And when you have that many questions and that many perspectives on things that are supposed to be solid, you know, like America or faith or so on and so forth, you become pretty isolated. Uh, So with that, I just found arts. So, you know, I've, I've written screenplays, I've done poetry, I've done paintbrush art you know i eventually found a love in music and found a kindred spirit in motion and we just had some really great conversation and great perspectives and some fucking great laughs and he was like hey we should start a podcast one day and i was like yeah 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 we should yeah we should totally do that you know that sounds cool maybe flash forward you know six eight months later i hit him up and i'm like hey we should do that podcast now <laughs> we had a- we were y'all like immediate one. friends, like when y'all met the first yeah. time, or yeah, yeah, I, we we were assigned uh, this this prose that we had to perform, and immediately in the class we just started talking. We did a, a the same concert. You remember Solstice? We did Solstice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did the same concert series, same baseline of conversation, and then we were assigned that prose where we were two sock puppets talking about uh, fire drills, and they're they it was pretty fucking hilarious. Point being is that we hit it off really fast. And then again, kindred spirits. We started hanging out. I met my wife through Motion, mm. and uh, Motion was the what do you what do you fucking call it for my wedding? Officiant. Officiant. That. Oh, me, and yeah, Jesus, yeah. me and Jesus nice. were homies. You were the referee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a beautiful relationship. Me and Motion. It's been great. I mean, we've had a lot of heated conversations, impassioned conversations. Um, but what's solid and all the way through everything that we do is that we're just genuine. We, we love hard and we, we love unapologetically. And because of that, we're, we're always doing something together. We always got each other's back no matter fucking what. What's your heritage, uh, imagine? Uh, Mexican-American, but most people will say it's Taco Bell Mexican because I don't... <laughs> what does I don't, that mean? 
I just look the part. I don't speak Spanish. I'm not huge, hugely. That's, that's our culture. generation. I, I mean, that's just what I am. And I'm, I, I, I get really deeply offended when people go, oh, you're not a real Mexican. Like, fuck you. Who wrote the rules? You know, I'm, I'm brown. I know a little bit of Spanish. I'm trying to teach my son some Spanish. My wife is Mexican. So fuck y'all. If, if you say, oh, that's not real Mexican, whatever. But that, that's my heritage. I love my culture. I love my background. But ultimately, there, there are some naysayers, but it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. But you'll still get that smoke. Hey, are, are naysayers universally jealous people? Or does anybody else feel like that? Like, what, what is it about someone that, that thinks that they have the position to tell someone else they are or aren't something? What is that? What's that motivation? Oh, possibly. I think the answer is hurt people hurt people. So yeah. something's I mean, off that they haven't Something's addressed. off inside. Yeah. I right. mean, you're, you're, channeling, you're channeling an energy you feel towards yourself, towards other people. Question, Motion. Did you, oh. um, given the, the balance of not being Mexican in Mexican communities, you're oh. white. Not being white in white communities, you're Mexican or whatever they want to call you. Like, did you feel isolated the same way Imagine did uh, growing up? You know, um, I, I wouldn't say I felt isolated because uh, I'm, I'm through and through a social being. Like, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll talk my way into anything and out of it as well. That's true. But, I've seen him do it. But it <laughs> <laughs> I I'll talk myself into something just to be able to talk myself out of it. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'll... Uh, <laughs> You remember when we when you guys did our show? I said something yeah. kind of right off the bat controversial about the yeah. the one dude who lived with the five, and you guys are like, "Wait!" And I was like, "All right, got him." Now talk my way out of it. <laughs> you did though, like, yeah, and it was, the, and we were talking about Kaepernick, which was primarily, and you just like went deep, and we were like, "Where?" I was so confused what was happening, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, okay, I get where we are." It was so good. <laughs> but um, so uh, what what I felt was a lot of not having identity grew in me which I think I identified with with a lot of my African-American friends when I moved down south, was there was a lot of anger in not knowing who or what I was. And it, I don't know why. Maybe it's my default. Maybe it's the, I don't know if that is a, a human default, but I had a lot of anger. And I didn't, like, because I felt like I was a fucking... I am Mexican, and I, I, I the naysayers really got to me. And one day when I was, like, 22 years old, my son was two years old, I woke up and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to just be white. I'm going to stop trying to prove myself as Mexican. And I will say that my life got significantly easier. And that was probably where it changed, not just in my politics, but how I practice, like, not politics, but my humanity on a daily basis. And I became much more compassionate. One, I dropped the anger. And then two, I just, I, you know what? If there's, I got in a fight at Fremont Street in Las Vegas. This two old white couples was giving this uh, black dude a hard time. And I got involved and kind of became a big thing. And I, I got involved, not knowing because it'd been so long but subconsciously i was like okay well i'm white i'm gonna be okay in this situation i can't let this happen and that would have never happened if one day i didn't wake up and just go stop fucking fighting and and you know if the world perceives you as white just be white and then use that in any way you can to make your life and the people's lives around you but i had a lot of anger like honestly i was a pissed off kid i was a punker i had a mohawk i threw fucking uh, is there a limit of statutations on uh, uh, throwing like Molotov cocktails <laughs> in churches. There is, I don't know. I doubt this. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, so, yeah. You're brown, so the statute of limitations is oh, yeah, forever <laughs> indefinite. So, it's, I mean, uh, I, I'll find something. That's, I, what, that's what that means. I was very expressive 
you know, not just in art, but in, in daily life. And I was motivated yeah. by anger for a long time because be, I, I can't say that's what it was, but I will say that one day when I stopped fighting nature, I, everything became a lot easier. Yeah, it's funny mm. you say that because I feel like I, I feel the same way. I felt like I was always out to prove myself and always out to prove someone wrong. You know, it, it was very much a I'll show you mentality. And that, that did fuel me up for a long time. So I, I can relate to that, too. That's interesting. Mm. Uh, for me, I was just always con- fucking confused. Like, so early. No, for real. Like, no, my I mom just, taught I me. I like that you threw it in there. Yeah. The word. <laughs> like, no, confused, but... I just, I, it, it, it was just good. Yeah. Nah, like, good. A lot of my adult life has been unraveling this. My mom taught me how to code switch actively very young. So a lot of people are like, man, you sound white. But you sound white with like, but you're down. Like, I don't know. And then and then I'll switch depending on the group I'm with yeah. or the situation or if I'm angry. And and then I remember one of my best friends, a white dude growing up, was like, you're not black enough. And like we got in a fight like and we didn't get in a fight because I wanted to fight. He wanted to fight me because I wasn't black enough, which utterly blew my mind. Like I could mm-hmm. not understand that. Yeah. Why is it got to shit on you for that? I also never understood why the fuck I'm called black. My hair is black. My skin is not black. And then yeah. that took me down this this rabbit hole of understanding what blackness is in the world. And it is a negative, the connotations with blackness. Right. And that confused me. Uh, just, and I, just so many of these things. And I never really felt like I had to fight for it. I just was trying to find, like fighting it internally to find out like, what the fuck? Well, what am I? Like, somebody said I'm an Oreo cookie. Somebody said I'm this. You sound white. And, like, I got to be white to survive. Uh, Like, what the fuck is it? And it just, for me, it resulted in a shit ton of mass. Like, I was like, all right, well, in this group, I'm this. And in that group, I'm that. And maybe one day I'll just be a good actor for it. I don't know. I think that's why, like, going growing up and being, like, literature classes, I love reading. I hate, I didn't, I never liked Great Gatsby. I never liked Catcher in the Rye. And like talking to my teachers, like they they were just trying to walk me through the literary elements and the coming of age. And I'm like, yeah. And now I understand. Like I just didn't get it then, but like there was nothing in those stories for me. It yeah. none of that had anything to do with my experience. Valid. Yep. Yeah. And I and I just and I think that's fundamental to the reason why people argue blue life blue lives matter. It's not. It's because they fundamentally just don't understand the difference in experience at, and I think at some its of those, micro level. I think some of those people are like uh, they're blind American fans, but contrarian at heart. You know, and if they, they don't want uh, an, an American element to be left out in the dust on its own. But uh, there's, let's be honest, some know, of them are trolling. Yeah. And, and some of them are racist and bigots. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, 100%. Uh, yeah. But uh, there's, there's something to. I, it's almost like a personality flaw to me when someone I support all blank. You can't like you know during the Kavanaugh election, all women tell the truth. My mom lied to me last week. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like you can't support all of any one thing at all. And this, and the and the the that blue line is is one of the touchiest. I would say you know. But, you know why? Because they have badges and fucking guns. They have, yeah, they have authority to not just like, I mean, like a cop could steal something. I've had cops steal from me. Oh yeah, they have forfeiture. You're not gonna do anything about it. Yep. Cops can they, rape. 
You're not going to do nothing irony, about it. The irony of our society, when you think about the militias that are formed, that people march on City Hall with AK-47s, AR-15s, hand grenades, whatever the hell they want to carry, yeah. because they're talking about the Second Amendment, which is an armed militia, essentially, to fight against a tyrannical well, government. Well-regulated. A well-regulated, well yeah. Regulated. The, 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 the fundamental component of police has the opportunity to be a tyrannical government yeah. in of itself. And our minority communities experience that every single day. Great point. And this, the white people who carry those AK-47s and AR-15s aren't fighting for them. Well, you know the what problem, I want to do? The problem is that reach... it was they were it was created for that like the police force is working yeah. as it was created a constable 100%. on patrol was created to protect property which at the time yeah. slaves were property yep. they were slave catching they were punishing so like what they slave were patrols. what they are doing is what it's they modern. were meant to do That's right i wanted to reach out to any of those militias i wish there was a way to find out the ones that claim to be constitutionalists mm -hmm. because that has to appeal to your very core that video of that cop on his back for eight minutes if you're a constitutionalist, Three there's no, there's nothing to talk about. You're on this side. So how many of those militias claim um, to be constitutionalists, and how many of them are, you know, practicing hate groups? Yeah, what he mm, said, that's right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're able, <laughs> if you're able to lie to yourself, you can lie to anybody. And we, our brains are capable of rationalizing anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good I'll talk, rationalize guys. that, bro. Yeah, <laughs> ended. Um, you guys want to hear so, my cop thing real quick? What's that? The cop thing real quick? Yeah. The bad apples? All right. Yeah. So yeah, everyone yeah, agrees about that. Yeah. that if a good cop snitches on a bad cop, it's bad for the good cop's career. So regardless as to how many bad apples there are in the precinct, the precinct as a whole is malicious, right? The process is designed to be bad, no matter how many good cops are on the force, right? Mm, yep. So okay, that's yeah. our police state. No yep. matter how many bad apples, you know, uh, September 11th, those planes were mostly full of good people. 99% salt-the-earth people. Two or three people at the front of those planes did all that damage. That could be the police state, too. Now, if you take a couple bad apples, I don't know how many precincts are in this country. I don't know how many police departments are. I don't. We saw four bad apples on just that George Floyd video. Maybe those were the only four. But if there's 100,000 police departments in this country... That's damn, near, yep. that's damn near half a million bad apples willing to not just murder someone, but watch someone die. That's too many fucking bad apples. That's too many. That's too many innocent deaths. Uh, Chris Rock said it. He used your exact same example about the airlines. He's like, United's not walking around. Like, if a pilot crashes, United's not going, well, you know, most of our pilots are good. Yeah. But we got a few bad apples flying planes into I mean, mountains. And this is the thing that I I just struggle with. Like if I if I work in IT, right? And I have my I'm let's say I'm a director. So I have the ability to access any piece of data in my company. I because I'm in a bad mood, right? Because quite honestly, like this is the human element of policing of being a judge of being anything that has authority over other people, like there is data that shows that after one o'clock, a judge is um, 
likely to hand down harsher sentences, yep. right? Because of, of fatigue. just fatigue and Trying exhaustion the or they're hungry, right? Like depending on how much they eat for lunch. So if I'm tired and I decide I'm just going to, I'm going to shut down the servers and I'm going to cost just for a day and I'm going to cost my company a hundred million dollars. Do you think I keep my job? Do you think everybody in the company is going to go, oh, guys, we need to stand up for him? Like, and, I understand it. Nope. And do they not talk about it? Is it like something happened? No one, it's mum's the word. Right. Like, all of a sudden, and I'm just going to show up to work next day and be a VP? Yep. Right? Like, no, it doesn't work that way in any other facet of life except the one area where people actually have the authority to take life. Yep. Well, Which part is of that is that. The public funding structure is that there is no private corporation or company to answer to. That's right. You know, so I heard so an argument last night that I would like to put out here and see what y'all think because I want to get behind this. I'm actually gonna I'm writing legislators today and every day, probably for the next rest of my life. Is this uh, the old fella? Yeah. So this. Oh this, my god. This so Lock so Lock West put this out there. I yeah. think he interviewed him. So this older black man, older black gentleman, uh, said. Here's how you fix it. You insure police. If you carry a gun, actually anybody that carries a weapon has to be insured. So the first time they have an incident, what's an insurance company going to do? Fuck you, you're too risky. You can't, you're not insurable. If you're not insurable, you can't carry a gun. If you can't carry a gun, you can't be a cop. And then he said what you do, he's like, so do you hate niggas more than you want to feed your family? Because that's what it's going to come down to. He said, do you, then you give them a carrot that they can't live without. Let them send their kids to school for free. So they lose their job. They don't only lose food at the table. Now they're losing their kids' education, their kids' chance to not have to dodge bullets or whatever it is the yeah. cops have to put up with. Right. Make it so they cannot afford to lose their job over some racist bullshit and see their behavior change. That's give them something to lose, it. he says. Give them something to lose. I still think I think instituting that with you patrol like an eleven mile radius around your home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, so I'm adding let's that. See what I'm you do. My email. What you I'm do? putting a form email up, Keith. Yeah, somewhere just for people to just take it and send to yeah. their. Yeah, no, we community. need that. Yeah, yeah. That helps. Yeah, you know, I always believe when you, when you know Victor's parents down the street, you might not send them straight to jail for weed possession. You know, you might take them home and say you're gonna have a conversation, right? It's like, have y'all seen The Wire? No, parts of it. Yeah, haunts me. I I won't talk about about it all the time. (laughs) Imagine what do you think, though? Like, what's your thought of policing and like? I you know, I I I was always just you know, because I've been a victim of of being pulled over and just given shit for no fucking reason, and I just want people to be cool, man. Like, just knock it off. Like, what 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 accountability? I was very open to what ideas are out there. And uh, I think uh, my, my biggest one is just the amount of money that they get to play with their toys, the amount of money that they have to have ex- wild expenditures that fund what they do. I think it just needs to be reevaluated. So I'm really m- very much behind the defund the police initiative and reallocating funds to, you know, education, public health. But um, when I heard Motion's point of, you know, cops should only commu- uh, police the community of which they live in. I thought that was such a huge thing where you, I mean, nobody, you identify that. Sorry. Yeah. Nobody shits in their own house. Right. You're not going to uh, shit in your own house. 
and you know the 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 what to me the obvious argument is then you become in bed with criminals. But um, let's let's find out. Why is that the obvious argument? Yeah, you just I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like there. You know, now you're creating a network for little Especially empires they, to be set up. Yeah. But I that mean, already exists. Uh, look at LAPD traditionally. Exists. Look at the Rampart District. I mean that that exists that already. Exists. That's so. going to exist. No is there a, what. is there a checks and balances to them not being in the same community though? If I'm working with a criminal outside of the community, it's called I mean, internal I affairs. To, and they do I'm a good trying, job. I'm my own devil's advocate. No, I, I, I think you nailed there's the gotta point. Be pitfalls that that like, real strategists can like this guy's yeah. an idiot. You know, when I say it, so yeah. so simple. But why not try it? Right, yeah. like that's that's hey. the, that's kind of the the experiment in Minnesota. Uh, going Occam's on, right? Razor: the simplest answer is often the right answer. Like, that, that's, like uh, yeah. you don't have to be. Uh, it turns out you don't have to be able to do brain surgery to come up with a workable solution. And did you know that the average police officer requires four months of training? The average hairstylist requires six. Well, yeah, you know little, what? Little things that's like why that cops look so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> hey real quick i want to talk about something that I, I just we've talked about in every conversation and you both brought it up but independently before you do i think imagine had something to say and i want to i want to give him no I, I just i just wanted just to support you know motion's point of of community policing and you don't really take into yeah. consideration how much of a, a factor that plays like you said you know people don't don't eat where they shit and you have, you know, the LAP people coming in with gym bags and they've been spending all this time in traffic coming from who knows where, you know, just can community. You come in jacked up. Like, ready yeah. To be like, ah. yeah. Dude, anytime yeah. you have to leave, not in uniform. What the fuck did you do today? You got to go into the gym, change, act like you just came out of a basketball game, get in your car and go home. Yeah, in a secure <laughs> parking lot. You know, yeah, it's just, it's just too many, too many uncertainties, too many gray areas. And I think ultimately the simple solution is just civil engagement. If we are holding our city officials accountable, those city officials will hold the police accountable. And if they're not doing it, then there needs to be some type of citizen review, something of that nature, where if we just allow the people to be engaged, encourage them to be engaged, I think you'll see a lot of good decisions being made. I agree. And there needs to be, like, there has to be extra oversight put in place. I talked to an officer at a panel that NPR put on four years ago, and we're talking about having community uh, roundtables, town halls yeah. to, to engage. And he said, hey, they already have that. And, and then I talked to him after the session, and he was like the Long Beach captain or whatever the fuck. And he said, uh, he's like, you know, the thing, he's like, I'll be honest about this. He's like, the thing that we are really good at is reaching out to the people who agree with everything we say mm, we yeah. know who our supporters are oh, and yeah, they're yeah, the yeah, ones we invite mm-hmm. i mean and that's human nature that's not just yeah. police i'm not jumping of on course. it's just the conversation we're having um but there has to be some checks and balances and there need to be there like the idea of insurance like there are there are ways to root out systematic issues right with other with better systems so that's what i'm talking about um i, I know we don't have a whole bunch of time so i want to jump in got about facts. 10 minutes yeah, I want to jump into facts. You guys both brought up facts, mm. so let's like, what is a fact? Somebody said you can't argue science, but you can no. argue. We do though all the time. Yeah, we we had this discussion before where I think a really good way of putting it is uh, by Indiana Jones. There's truth and there's facts. You know, if mm-hmm. you want to seek truth, there's a philosophy course down the hall. 
Um, but he said, these are facts. You know, archaeology is just a matter of fact. And I think when, when you allow facts, data, science to be at the forefront of conversations, there's an, uh, there's an agreed upon basis for this conversation. You know, evolution versus creation. Evolution, if that's the scientific basis, if everyone's in agreement, that's where the, the starting line is of the conversation, we can move forward. But because people are always um, identifying what facts they want, and Motion always puts so eloquently, you can go to you know www.imright.com, you can find the facts that back you up. But if there's an, an acceptance of science and facts at the forefront of a conversation, we'll be much better off entering that conversation. Um, so Rodney had asked the 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 question about um, what uh, oh about facts. What's your take on this? Um, facts as a whole. I, I mean, you know, it, it's I don't. I guess with the madness of the world, I've I've always had this stance that nothing surprises me anymore. Mm -hmm. So like even facts are such limbo. And then pretend we all agree, we're all gonna have a different perspective and motivation of what we're gonna do with those facts, anyways. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of all about just hearing it all out. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the fundamental miss in what facts are. There's too much of a conversation about what's a fact, like what's truth. Yeah. I'm kind of to your point imagine uh, if you want to find out the truth, you know, go to a philosopher. Like there's so much information and in the history of time, facts have always shifted. It used to be a fact yeah. that the world is flat. It used to be a fact that we went around the sun. Or the sun went around That's us. Right. I apologize. The sun went around us. Um, th there's so, so many. I mean, heck, until 1900, the way people, way medicine worked, the things that doctors would do, that we look back upon and think, what on earth? Yeah, I wonder if they'll prescribe that? some heroin still. Maybe. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, when you think about what facts are, they evolve. The only things that aren't Fact, like that are factually based in my opinion are math right like if i have a thing here and a thing here i have more than i'm not even going to say one and one because that's just english word for for the right? right like i add them together and i'm going to have more than the other i wake up i i i'm born and i die and like they're just all of these other things and we get so parsed and then we anchor on the facts that support our truth and right. it's like yeah, I think what you said, Motion, is important. Like, just gather more information before you're so adamant that something is true. Well, and you know, I often ask right? people, like, why? Like, when someone says, "I'm sure of blah blah blah," I go, "Why? Why are That's you right. so sure? That's like, right. what, what makes you sure of this?" But you know, it's it's like we're all on this hunt for this universal truth that's going to unify us all. When all we've done my whole life is celebrate diversity, so. Like, I, I'm not, there's yeah. not, we're not all going to find some platform that we all agree on. And then we're all going to use that platform to bring ourselves up in one way. Cause there's no way we can all be Kings. It's not going to work that way. I, I agree. There's, I agree. Oh, go ahead. I agree. Uh, you know, the universal platform for me and to me, I don't know if you call me the hippie in me, uh, but it's love. It is mine as well. I, I knew, yeah. Mine too. It's, it's just love. If everyone was to take into consideration what it is that they love, and then utilize that love with empathy, but we can then change the world. Even narrowing that down, our, our, I think I could speak for maybe the three of us, but definitely the both of us when I say our love is love of humanity and of one another, but there's people that love money and objects, objects and that's their love is going to put that empathy out the window and put people like us 
available sacrifices to elevate their their love. So even though we all have, you know, a base of love, that that itself is arguable. It has to I mean there has to be an alignment of love for 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 the existence of of people, right? Yeah. Like and even if even you take the person who loves money, it's like your money doesn't exist without people. Like people got to buy your stuff, people got to transact, people got to do something that ultimately so you have to have some sort of basis of love. And if we could all agree on that, I agree. Like more compassion. Now we have just better treatment of each other because this is something that I think about a lot. And then we'll have one more question um, as we wrap up here is when you think about business, there are a lot of good ways to do it. And we find these ways and people try to replicate them and repeat them. And then all of a sudden it becomes the way to do it. All of these things are so arbitrary. They're human-created systems that that work, but it's not the only way that it works. And if we open up to the idea that like, there are just a lot of different ways that it works and find out how it works for you, there's the compassion, and now we can have a little more acceptance and we can just live better. Well, Very the, true. The quarantine's been eye-opening for that, right? Yeah. A million different processes for 10 things have you know developed over the past three totally. months. It's a great point. Unfortunately, that's why a lot of businesses aren't still with us, and unemployment is at unreal numbers. Which conversation to get in with with you more emotion on like this independence track. But uh, I want to ask the rap question because I really appreciate you guys' time. Uh, We'll ask you both to answer. Just Reese is asking, so I'm just going to translate. All right. Uh, The translation of that is: What would you leave our audience with to to think about after this amazing conversation? You want to go first, Julian? Uh, yeah, so, it, it, again, two things. Uh, love everybody, understand, speak to understand is, is the main thing when you're engaging in a conversation. Try to understand the other side, and that way you can have an informed decision. But ultimately, if you just allow love to guide you and use that empathy, again, it, it can totally change the world. And as I said previously, my, my personal motto, KMF, uh, keep moving forward all day, every day. I've woken up the past couple weeks with more hope in my heart than probably 15 years. I've seen more change and room for change in, in these past months than I've seen, you know, since before Obama ran. And I think that there is a motivated group of people out there, a youth that has been told to shut the fuck up and stay home for three months, that has a fire under their ass. And if they really, really utilize it, I think there's a huge generational shift that can happen in in a small amount of time over this next year.